Perfect. 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 Welcome to No Clip. I'm Chad Revenant. I'm JJ Artimez. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And today we're joined by special guest. Oh, he's not really that special, but you know, a guest, <laughs> Daniel Otten. Hey, everyone's favorite original cast member. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's what they call me. Uh, <laughs> today we're going to be talking about. <laughs> I didn't mean to derail it immediately with <laughs> yes, that dumb did. joke. <laughs> you did. But today, we're going to be talking about Return of the Obra Dinn, uh, which was a game that was released in 2018. It was developed by Lucas Pope. Uh, Lucas Pope, his previous game, was a game that was called Papers, Please. And the genre of Papers, Please was, I believe, rubber. And I bounced off of it instantaneously oh my God. bad jokes are just flowing like yeah flowing Something. like the sea around <laughs> okay. the overden i see yes. the overden has got you in a comedy mood you're Which is about the, uh, as funny as the game was the film rubber based on that chad <laughs> uh, that was flubber yeah, yeah. Oh, flubber. <laughs> flubber was based on it rubber was based on true events uh but this game uh in my opinion at least took a very different tact of being accessible, uh, which I thought was an interesting choice. Uh, and I know that people who are big fans of Papers, Please would probably shit all over me for mm-hmm. that. Even me. Yeah. I shit on you. That's fine. Actively. Uh, but of the two, this is definitely the one I prefer. Me too, but that's because it's great. Yeah, I've never actually p- played Papers, Please. I was aware of it before playing this game and did not realize it was the same developer until finishing the game. Right. So, I've never heard of it, so... <laughs> <laughs> Glad to have you on. Uh, it's, uh, it I will a... say, between the two, I have a strong preference for Overdim. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. You would like Paper, Please... Paper... You would like paper. You would like papers, please, specifically. Uh, it, it's a, a very somber sort of exploration of the, your like moral compromises that you can get into while working as a government agent in like a really oppressive state. You're like a guy who's just on, on the border trying to like choose between whether to let people in or not based on papers and whether or not their papers actually are good or bad or et cetera, et cetera. And oh, it, it's just... even more dour than this game. And it does and actually good. sound pretty interesting. Yes, love it to death, and it got a lot of attention, which it completely deserved. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't take that away from it. The you. fact that I had literally no enjoyment, and even though mm-hmm. that's kind of the point, mm-hmm. uh, I don't, I don't think that it was a flaw in the game design. I think mm-hmm. he, in fact, executed on it perfectly. Similar to this, uh, and Oprah Din, in similar in another way, is also getting like a lot of media attention. It's like this seems to so far be this year's like. Go to indie game, like the thing that you bring up when indie comes up in conversations. Yeah, I, I believe in the last, literally in the last month, I think, and this is post us planning this. As you know, uh, I didn't, I didn't fucking shout it out at the beginning, but we are in mystery May right now, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> part of the restriction on our game selection for mystery May is they have to contain. Mm, mysteries mm-hmm. yes uh, and well so, and, uh, J- janelle pointed out before we started recording that it's also mermaid uh, which is an actual <laughs> thing so 
this mystery game was a uh, yeah this game was a double feature mysteries and mermaids that's true yeah there's lots of well we'll get into the mermaids in this game <laughs> Uh, at some point in the probably very near future. Uh, but, yeah, so we, we do pick these games that have that, that, that are mysterious in nature, and we wouldn't have brought the whole really stupid concept back <laughs> if we didn't have something planned. Mm-hmm. But in the last month, I've seen two video essays... That both involve Overdin in some way, mm-hmm. and it's insane to me because this game has been out for like a little while, yeah. and it's not of the caliber of advertising that you would expect to see it in like media at all. So I, it is unique and weird that this game gets as much press as it does. I mean, it's coming from a developer with solid credentials, and if they were not. And has a completely unique art style. Like, nothing looks like this game. Uh, even among, like, Pope's other work that's all kind of similarly... I'm not really cell-shaded. How do you even describe the aesthetic oh. of this game? Um, I'm glad it came up so fast. Mm-hmm. Because um, <laughs> I heard in one of said video essays that Chad is referencing, I also watched. Um, and they pointed out that the art style kind of mimics the illustrations found in the book, but kind of like in a reverse palette, you know, because it's like black where there would be white on the paper. Right. Uh, and I didn't think of it that way myself while I was playing, but once they brought it up, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's totally what they were going for. And all the little speckling is like the imperfections of like a quill pen stroke and everything, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, like, while I was playing it, I noticed, like, the graphic settings had, like, were all called, like, Macintosh, IBM. Right. It, like, old computer uh, interfaces, like Commodore, whatever. And that's kind of what it made me think of, like, an old Atari game, like, where things were just represented in black and white, mm-hmm. but made 3D. It's kind of how I thought of it while I was playing. Yeah. This, uh, it takes the same sort of aesthetic inspiration as a game like Downwell does, where the intent is to put you in a situation that makes you reminisce about these pc games of old and it's one of the things that i a really like about the aesthetic like i feel like they have nailed something here but it feels both anachronistic toward its subject matter and also toward the game part of the game because in games from i know it's, <laughs> and I mean, your point that they didn't have one bit graphics in uh, 1806 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i mean the I, I will explain what i'm talking about here uh it, it specifically being it feels weird to apply a very specific computer aesthetic like a a like old hardware aesthetic to a game about like the high seas and and all of the shit that happens that we will get into it's my favorite part uh and then (laughs) (laughs) it's also it also feels weird to map that aesthetic onto something that still ostensibly plays and feels like a modern uh like 3d game i heard um somebody talk about talking about breath of the wild that mentioned how when they play the memories, the sequences, they have like an old film grain over them and how it's kind of like grayed over like a filter and how they compared like 
old like movies started being made like a hundred years ago in real life and the memories take place a hundred years ago in the game and like putting like aligning those things makes it feel old when you look at the memories and it kind of had a similar effect for me here where like the old computer visuals emphasize the fact that the time period was older right and not modern yeah and i think that is like probably what he's going for here like i think that the it's sort of a visual shorthand uh between like the period of the game and the uh visuals i just think that it's one of those things where if you take a step back from it and try and do an explanation which is what i did immediately upon seeing the settings uh like i wouldn't have even thought about this if he didn't include the settings to change the like default platform that it was on uh i of course played through the whole game and the default mode looks really good Mm -hmm. and i don't really have much nostalgia for any of these things yeah i kept changing it between the different black and white options Mm is like which is the most black and white (laughs) 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 i think i had settled on lcd because it had like the blackest blacks yeah yeah you had to get that 4k (laughs) you need that nice contrast yeah uhd all that good shit uh but I wouldn't change any of it for the world. Like, I think that it, it all ends up looking really good. I just think that it's sort of nonsensical, but it's nonsensical in a way that works. Yeah. Which is a pretty good thesis statement, I think, for the entirety of this game. That is... Well, I don't know if it's... Well, I, I don't know if it's nonsensical, or maybe you mean something else by nonsensical, because when I started this game, I mean, obviously, visually, it looks great, but I was worried that the aesthetic choices were going to be kind of a gimmick. Um, but I actually think it, like, it, not only does it look great, it enhances the gameplay because part of what it does is number one, it's like echoes of the drawings in the book, which I think is great. And it, I found that the, it obscured the faces just enough to be really interesting. Like you could never look at someone's face and be a hundred percent sure about their ethnicity and like other details about them that might make it a little bit harder to identify them. And I thought that actually enhanced the gameplay a lot. Um, so maybe you meant something else by nonsensical, but I, I actually think, you know, not only did it look good, it, it had a gameplay purpose as well. Right. To, to, to your point, I think uh, in addition to being able to tell like ethnicity and other like very specific, like, like especially facial features about people it also adds a level of ambiguity to when you're in a group of people so that you can't at a glance recognize who's there unless they're wearing like their very distinct uniform Mm -hmm. and i think that adds to it because it forces you to go in and not only examine each individual person as you come to them uh, but also that will in turn force you to also look at the things around them, which lets you pick up more detail, which the game absolutely 100% requires you to do in order to complete yeah, it. I totally agree. And it's something that bothered me a lot at first, because I found this game to be really hard uh, when, uh, initially. And I was like, man, I wish I could, like, tell people by their faces better. Like, it was really (laughs) frustrating at first. But, like, I definitely settled into it eventually. And I agree that I think it enhances it. Mm -hmm. And, like, it enforces you to, like, learn what everyone does on the ship, which is one of, like, the best ways to actually fill out the notebook is by, like, learning people's jobs. Yeah. 
Oh, and right. I think JJ definitely has something he wants to say here. Yes. But just so as not to leave a loose end, the thing that I meant when I said nonsensical was the application of old computer aesthetics to a game that is both controlled like a modern 3D game and also set far in the past with like archaic technology sort of like being a main theme of it. And that's <laughs> that's what I meant is that it's just like they took two totally separate things that you could conceivably put together and then added a third layer to make it sort of like a hodgepodge of everything. It's a delicious layer. It is a nice three-layered like sponge cake this game. It's the... <laughs> wow, coming in hot and early with your food comparison. Yeah, I, I was going to go with lasagna, but uh, cake also works. Yes, I, I, I felt a sort of sweetness from my... But I yeah. think it's more of, of my time with the game than the game itself. This game, it's just, it is climbing up the ladder. Uh, before the environmental details get away from us, not only does this game pick the precise level of abstraction necessary in terms of facial composition and outfits... But the old style also lets them intentionally be way more simplistic with background information to better direct like player attention, uh, not just to specific people, but to specific objects and rooms right. so that you know and it's more easy for you to pick up on, say, something that would be like a ludicrous leap of logic in any other game, like uh, the necklace that's hanging on, I, I think, one of the midshipmen's rooms that like that stands out because of the art style that they chose and how unusable it is for the room um, that wouldn't necessarily do so if the game was more cluttered visually. Uh, like the detail of the faces, for example, while it's not like anywhere close to true fidelity, it's way more detailed than the environments around them. Right. Like it's, I love the choice. I, and I love the way that he manipulates the amount of detail in the environments to like meet design goals. It, it is so wonderful. I, okay. So in that vein, I, I do want to question one thing. Yeah. Um, I know already uh, going into this, that I'm going to end up slightly more negative than the rest of you. Uh, just based on everything that's been said so far. Uh I agree with pretty much everything that we've gotten into here, but I do want to kind of push back on that part of it. I think that the specifics, especially with the the, the face recognition thing, the fact that it's more detailed, uh, I don't think actually helps recognize people at a glance, and it makes you have to go into the, like, zoom in to see their image thing, which I think did two things kind of wrong um one it it overlays it on top of the game so you have to physically move yourself around to see who it is that was kind of silly yeah which yeah, is especially terrible that. yeah which is especially terrible when it's one of the like like the the top men who hang out in the back mm -hmm. of that fucking picture in the like setting sail picture mm -hmm. and i'm just like well, all right, like, this guy's head takes up four people, so it's probably one of these guys, so you have to go to his page, look at his picture, go to his other memories, go find where they fucking are, and go all the way around. So, predictably, my second complaint about this is just, <laughs> hey guys, yeah, I'm Chad Rutherman from the, from the Nicholas Podcast. It takes way too long. It takes so goddamn long to get into some of these memories to rehash certain uh like details yeah. just to, like jog your memory in your defense like that that i felt that way occasionally where there will be like details that i missed and then like 
having to comb back through all the memories is like what memories was this guy in and like having to go back through and like piece together the details you missed can take a long time especially there's one chapter that or uh i, don't, I guess chapter yeah it's and a chapter. then yeah and it's got like seven or eight segments in it like following like the like in through the stories of all the like the seamen uh, as they're called um Dude, it could take for yeah. a laugh right now. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah, that's I an see... important clarification that you weren't making a horrible joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It felt necessary in the moment. Mm-hmm. But uh that I mean it it can get frustrating at times depending on like what stuff you pick up on and what you miss and what you have to go back for. Yeah, well, I was just going to say that um I guess I'm kind of sympathetic to that. I think in terms of gameplay and design, I disagree that it takes too long to do things generally. I think there is a learning curve to figuring out how to use the UI. Um, I played, we played, Janelle and I played this with a controller. I don't know if you guys played keyboard and mouse or what I the did, distinction yeah. is there, but mm-hmm. you know, um, highlighting a person and, and like bookmarking all their memories and figuring out how to flip in chronological order, that took a while to master. Once we got that down, I found it to be a relatively seamless system and a really important tool. And now I'm seeing the looks on your faces and thinking maybe <laughs> you never learned how to do that. I have I have one really specific question because this is something that I actively attempted to figure out and was unable. Uh, and it, it would have streamlined the process, but we'll get later into why it wouldn't have streamlined it that much. Um, when you do anything like when you bookmark somebody's uh uh set of memories uh-huh. is there a way to jump back into the memory without physically going there and, and clicking the watch no not okay. well, not that i know of all right then 100 percent. i did i i am i am the ui master <laughs> i have reached ui proficiency level five mm-hmm. and it was still not quite enough for me uh, but I did most of my puzzle solving like actually within yeah. the memories, and I think that might have yeah, been. Yeah, I think the problem is not like the size of the space and how long it takes to get places, more as how many bodies there end up being and having to find the correct one. Right. Yeah. Especially well, I, because they give you the, the little map, but it's just like an X <laughs> on like a boat outline shape. Right. So it doesn't really help. See, so like, that scroll much. down. Like, oh my god, I googled so much in this game that wasn't like, who is this guy and how did he die? What I googled was like, what the fuck is a lazarette? Because it's, <laughs> it's not in the glossary, and I'm just expected to know that. That what was the a... one. That was the one thing that Janelle and I looked up to. We were like, <laughs> we were very proud of beating this game without looking up anything. But right. we were like, what the hell is a lazarette? <laughs> yeah, I was like, what does a top man? do <laughs> and as it turns out it's also a brand of men's clothing which makes googling it very fucking hard so i was trying to come up with all of these like c terms and like i i come in there going like well i know which side is port and which side starboard so i'm way ahead of the curve and it turned out no i wasn't not a nautical dude me well one thing i was gonna add uh I don't know if this is on topic or not, was, uh, you know, I I think this ultimately was a good thing about the game design, but the amount of information that you're presented with 
um, in bursts can be really overwhelming. Um, especially if you're the kind of person that likes to like go through things systematically in like a really organized way. Because just just when you think you have a handle on things, you'll go through like twelve memories in a row. Where every time you see someone die, you get another like shaky stopwatch moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which you yeah. know, reflecting on it, I actually think is a great thing because at the time I felt a lot of ang- anxiety about like. <laughs> Uh, you know, I'd notice one little detail in a scene and think like, oh, like, you know, that connects to something else. And then I'd be whisked away to like three other deaths. Um, but but then it was really exciting to think like, oh, I've got so much to like go back and comb through. Um, so I think ultimately like that, that was a positive aspect of the game design. Yeah, early on, I was having like Majora's Mask flashbacks where I'm like, oh my god, there's so much information. I'm expected to keep track of all of it in my head. Uh, but like, it, I, I de- it definitely like ended up uh, becoming manageable, mm-hmm. I think, early enough that I did was not turned off from it. But like early on, I was like, oh man, I don't know what the game expects of me and like what I'm supposed to notice in this moment like how much do i need information from like three hours from now to solve this or right, right. is it all here you know like I, I feel like it didn't communicate that very well in the beginning yeah that's one thing i want to like for one thing i want to commend the tutorial of this game and the tutorial being like the entire uh the end chapter um they do a really good job of kind of explaining it, but I actually had kind of a similar, like, overwhelming dread feeling, having played Papers, Please, and knowing, like, how quickly I just, like, got lost in what I wanted to get out of it. I wasn't sure if I was going to hit the same wall with this game, uh, because the first time that uh, I found a corpse, the guy in front of the door, and I hit the stopwatch on it, and then after a while, the screen closes in. I was like, oh, shit. Like, was that it? Like, do <laughs> I not get to go back? Like, do, can I not explore? And it goes through, like, probably five minutes of sort of, like, book explanation and all of, like, your UI elements and what's important, what to look for, the face signaling thing, what the cause of death would be. And then it goes back to where you can actually, uh, like, look at the the memory again and i was like just huge like beads of sweat like starting to form because i was like it this is a lot of information i first, don't yeah. have yeah yeah like the second like after the end it moves you like right into another like group of scenarios the best one and um I, and it does the thing where it like whisks you from death to death with the watch and i'm like oh my god like <laughs> I started playing this without a notebook. Like, I should have been writing <laughs> shit down. But to, but to I, the game's credit, you don't need a notebook. I mean, that's I don't true, know that's if you guys true. took notes while you were playing. There, there was one scene that we jotted down some notes, but, like, you can beat this game without taking any notes, which I think speaks yeah. to how well it is designed. I, yes. I regret a little bit not having, like, actual pen and pencil with me uh, when I was playing this because there were certain elements... Uh, most most notably, we can go over this section at some point if you guys want to, but the, the part of the game that I dislike the most, and not even because of anything other than just this element of it, like the actual puzzle-solving element, was... Uh, oh, I wish I knew the chapter names. 
Um, but it's the one where you're on the, you progressively go further and further out at sea. Mm-hmm. And so you keep finding, you find a corpse and then it, you don't necessarily get the uh, cause of death from the corpse itself, but you get it from like three seconds earlier. Mm-hmm. And so you keep going back and forth in the same area with very little outside information. You, you have all the details in front of you. And they, I think, tried to streamline that one, but then at the same time, it just becomes like, how much of this do I actually need to know? How much of this is irrelevant? Like, I have names in this one, which is important, but then also, like, I have no idea what happened to this guy because he's just now laying on the ground and I'm not sure what's up. Uh, And at that point, I wish I had notes so that I could sort of just keep track of everything and, like, what the chronology was. Uh, because I did end up having to go back through that whole thing twice to finish it. Like, you can jump into it from other corpses, but, like, it's really only beneficial to go through it in the intended order. Mm-hmm. I just went out, like, right out of the tutorial. I walked over to CVS Pharmacy and just picked up a cute little, like, my baby's first notebook because it had a, like a little ship on it and it was like well, good and tiny. Oh really? That's ter- that's tremendous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like first graders like sailing like thing. So I just opened it up and, and had all my little notes there. Uh, but not only is it is literal written notes not necessary to complete the game, I generally found note taking in this game to be not as useful as I expected it to be. It was useful on a couple of occasions to remind me about things in the past. But I think the reason why having a notebook and trying to act out the Sherlock Holmes fantasy of this game is is less useful than you'd expect is because frequently this game doesn't actually require you to make, like, strict deductions. There are certain times, of course, when it does. It switches back and forth between, like, induction and deduction and just showing you things and you having to make wild guesses to try and... and It's all freeform and it's all wonderful. But... In the the majority of cases, the kind of puzzles that you're going to see are things like the shoes on the various top men that you had all these troubles, like, sticking out from their sleeping bunks, which was how I eventually crossed that fun little threshold. Yeah, that did nothing for me at all. Like, the the shit, like, literally I heard the exact tip about shoes, and I was like, how does this help me at all? Like, I was like, I was like, I don't know who these fucking people are. I later find out that the numbers on the beds correspond to the thing. In the book, yeah. But yeah. if you've already identified that person successfully, it replaces the number with an X. So I didn't know there was a number on the beds. So it became this fucking ridiculous guesswork to try and get all of the people because I just didn't know what the hell was going that, on. That That is tough. If you... It was Janelle. Uh, Janelle and I played through this whole game together. Mm-hmm. Um, it was her who... Cheaters. Finished... <laughs> what? <laughs> it just said oh, cheaters. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was her who even noticed that the bunks were labeled with numbers. And I do think if you don't notice that detail like relatively early, it significantly increases how hard this game is. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, being able to identify people... Uh, in a scene based on their bunk number corresponding to their number in the crew list is a pretty crucial piece of information. Crucial? Oh my god. <laughs> <sighs> All right.
Okay. That one was worth it, though. Let's just move on. (laughs) Jesus. Uh, But this is actually kind of... I don't know. I feel like we're straying a little bit far from what we had originally started on. All right, then let me fucking slam down this bomb, this enormous (laughs) stake that I'm... This game is really hard. It is exactly as hard as it needed to be. And I think... Of any game we've ever played for the podcast, I think this game is the worst for our format. <laughs> wow. This, I, I, yes. I think, not that in terms of our discussion, I meant in, in the pace of play. Like, I, all things considered, would have wanted to play this game for literally like six months. Like, I would have, I think you play this game like a 10,000 piece jigsaw puzzle where you go in before like any of the impatience that like we've discussed at a couple of occasions are having to constantly revisit these memories before any of that sits in you like get up maybe go see a new memory maybe go revisit an old question maybe find someone in the book who with like a low number of those little stars where you you realize you don't know what they are but you think you might have the information available to go figure it out then you go back and you revisit the crime scene like that's the pace of play that i would have wanted for this game playing it no more than like one to two hour chunks at a time if that like and it would have been so much i think even more rewarding to me than it was and it was already a great experience which makes me shocked i think that also explains why a lot of the content coming out about this game is coming out so late after its release date and why it's maintained so much uh, of a place in popular culture over that time because i think there are people like who are playing the game in the way that i'm suggesting where it's taking them a long, long time to get through it because there are a lot of distinct entrances to be made. And it, oof, it's, it, I just really, I wish there were more games like this in the way that I assume someone who likes crossword puzzles loves that there are more crossword puzzles after each one is done. I wish that there was a series of Oberdin, but knowing Pope, it will never come. And I am fine with that. Why do you have hate in your eyes, Chad? <laughs> I feel like you forced my hand on this one. Yeah. Uh, more, more so than I, I maybe wanted to. Yeah. Uh, like, I don't think I agree uh, because of how very vague the game is on some kind of important aspects. Uh, the big ones for me... Uh, that really, like, sort of... Let me back up. This game starts out in, I think, one of the best ways I've ever seen a game start, uh, because it, it drops you in, it gives you some background on what's going on. A man in a boat yells at you. Yeah, and then you are... You're given the book that's basically going to be the game for the rest of the game, mm-hmm. uh, and you proceed on to the thing. You do the tutorial that I've already lauded. I think it's great, and I think that they do a really good job of explaining what it is that you need to know, how you're going to get the information, and then give you the chance to fill it in. Then you go through the game, and you get all of these other little vignettes, and you figure out what happens on the boat. Pretty quickly, you get an idea as to what's going. I think that within the first three hours of the game, I would say, three to four hours, mm-hmm. you have 
the like historical understanding of the of what happened fucking evil chest fucking yeah, evil pirate loot booty shit exactly <laughs> which has angered all of the the sea mutants and krakens mm-hmm. that there <laughs> that that could ever be mm-hmm. uh and then the game hits a brick fucking wall and it just says look at text look for tiny details around the place and that can be enjoyable but I don't find that enjoyable at all. Okay. Like, and I think that's, it's not a disagreement with you saying that I, I think that the game could be enjoyed for a very long time by somebody who likes that kind of a, of, of, of a puzzle. Mm-hmm. But like, I spent so much time just in the book looking at names, trying to remember faces, that it becomes really tedious super tedious and it got to the point where i just stopped looking for more detail and just guessing and that is how i finished probably the last third of it that's terrible yeah that doesn't sound like a great experience no it sounds miserable <laughs> like my first day i walked out of the room i literally recommended the game to two people within the first hour and then like walked around did shit i had a bunch of shit going on that week that i came back about three days later, picked the game back up, and then just kept leaving. Like, I kept walking away from it and going, like, I, I, I don't care. I'm not going to go find the other thing. I'm sick of listening to the, the, like, big explosion sound that happens when you find a corpse inside of a memory because I'm going <laughs> deeper and deeper into all this shit to see if a chair is, like, in the wrong place. And I don't, <laughs> I don't know who any of these people are who they're referencing. The information is totally barren and, and like... It honestly would have been easier if the disappearances were more clear because that allows you to do a lot more process of elimination. And, like, there's, like, a whole... Basically, if you find out one of them, you're going to nail literally every other one because the disappearances are all the same in every chapter, like, with each other, with the exception of, like, maybe one or two. Uh, And they're so... Like, one of them is just, like, you just put everybody fucking drowns. And it's, like... Well, how the fuck do I know that they drowned? Like, the rest of this game, you seem to have to have very concrete evidence to the point where you can't say somebody was crushed. You have to be like, well, they were crushed by a cannon or the Kraken or a guy or they fell down the fucking stairs. And, like, I'm in favor of all of that. I think that adds a level of depth that is incredible, especially when you have the information available to you to pick it up. But then when you're just like, they got on a boat, I don't know. They drowned. And then once I guessed that, I got like a trigger, got three of them, and then just put the rest in and they were all correct instantaneously. That's not really a fun inference to make that's just ticking off checkboxes. Can, can, can I make a couple points here? Because yeah, I'm, I'm very glad that you brought that up. Uh-huh. Um, the first is, Andy, I'm really interested to hear like what your take is on this because... Uh-huh. <laughs> Janelle and I, like, I think this is a great game to play through with someone else, and we never ran into a wall, and I think it's partly because we were playing through it together. I think that playing through it with someone else, having two perspectives really helps you avoid getting stuck on stuff, Um, because it was very often the case that she would notice really important stuff that I had missed, or vice versa. Uh, So we had a kind of comfortable cruise. I found the, the difficulty in this game to be basically perfect. Um, it was super rewarding how hard it was, but we never got stuck in a way that wasn't fun. Um, 
I do completely agree with you, Chad, on the the drowning um, deaths. I thought that that was like a narrative weakness in the game, um, and in a you lot can of ways. Mirror the entire argument for the uh, the crushed by a monster or whatever, uh, because there are two sets. There's the doom and then the escape, and both of them, uh, all of the disappearances are all going to the same place. Roughly, there might be right. a couple of different ones. So, well, the, yeah, the, like the same complaint applies to like two or three different ones. The way that we so yeah, I think your point stands about the drowning. The way that we um, solved some of the drowning disappearances was basically we were like, "Well, I can't like, I don't really see like what we're missing here." And then I had an epiphany of like, "Hold on, like look at who's in this boat." And it was like a boat of red shirts. Like there was no <laughs> way that any of these people lived. And so we were like, "Well, they got in a boat, and like maybe they're alive." And then I was like, "No, like." <laughs> There's the guy that killed the Danish dude. Like, you know, he's going to mm. die. And then I was looking, it was like the purser who had no <laughs> characterization other than being like in charge of money. So, you know, mm -hmm. he's going to die. I was like, let's just put drowned. <laughs> and it worked. Like, uh, in that case, it was like some like extra game knowledge about how narratives work, um, which I like, you know, I don't know if that's ultimately a good game design decision. Um, but I do, I, my broader points are. I'm very interested to hear about difficulty curve perspectives for single player. I think for two people, like I loved the difficulty curve in this game. And I agree with your point about the drownings being a little bit, you know, kind of cheap. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I want to jump in just real fucking fast here uh, to say that the issue with the drownings thing is not necessarily being able to determine that those people are going to die even though I don't necessarily agree with your reasoning on it, because like the dude who killed the the the, the Danish guy is literally uh, like a set, like he's a sailor, he's a seaman. That's what he does for his job. Not the cracking part, leave, though. Yeah, they not leave, the cracking part. Oh, they because they leave they leave the right dome. before the kraken attacks. It's the for one sure. part that I it helps you actually deduce that is like it took us a long time to figure it out, but we were going back through mm -hmm. the memories and I was like, oh wait. Like, this but is then, right before the Kraken, so, like, they definitely don't make it out, so... But they could have also them. been killed in, like, 18 different ways, yes, similarly, out on the boat. So you mm -hmm. just, you do have to guess. Yeah, yeah but that's know the right one. That's just induction at its weakest point in this game. Because this game frequently asks you to make those kind of assumptive leaps to progress. There just aren't nearly that shaky. Like, I see these people walk around together very frequently, I bet that means that's his steward. That's how I understood stewards in the first place and then made the connection about the clothing. Right. Like, that's not foolproof. And it's very infrequent in which you're given absolute, solid, conclusive evidence. Like, think yeah. of how stingy this game is about names in general one way mm -hmm. or the other. Like, it... That's... And then you can do that well and poorly. Most of the time it does it well. I'll agree that Drowning Guys is not the best implementation <laughs> but they had, they had a little bit of a they wanted 60 partially for the intimidation factor at the yeah. beginning and it makes you feel so much more accomplished at the end but is that the part where it's the they're all out on the boats and they get attacked by the mermaids no, no. this is no, that's a, a different they came, part they all died and well, one guy there, came back and got there was shot. a similar thing with that where there were a couple of people who got attacked by mermaids and i was like they get clawed by the mermaids did they get speared like, by the mermaids oh, yeah. <laughs> were they drowned by the mermaids see them, like getting pulled into the Water. Yeah, I thought that would oh, meant yeah. that they got clawed, but yeah, then they, they got fair. drowned. Yeah, yeah. like so. yeah, there's a lot of weirdness like that. Like I kept, I kept. It took me a while, and this was a huge hang up for a long time. 
I kept counting mermaids as foreign enemies. Yes, and, I was yep. going to bring this up too. Mm, did the exact yeah. same thing. And it's a complete red herring, right? There's no foreign enemy yeah. in this whole game. They well, actually the, meant the, like Indian people, but the they're not those either. On the, yeah. uh, on the crab monsters, yeah. like those guys are riding the, like the demon crabs. So I was like, yeah. oh, they're pretty humanoid. Like we'll mark them as a foreign enemy. And turns mm. out they're supposed to be Mark Beast. I, that was the, like a kind of a weakness in the yeah. the way yeah, that the, they the described trick with, the with that one is there is some fuzziness in like what it'll accept. And but one of the things really? is there's like a uh, there's a series of like murders that happen like immediately once you find the guy in the. I said the word earlier, but now I don't remember. Lazarette in the Lazarette, <laughs> uh, who's like been fucking shot. Yes, and uh, he, like, when you go through that whole thing, uh, it, there's a bunch of people who get killed by the crabs, and there's a, a really suspicious cause of death that is just spiked, which is a real like, like that draws your attention to it because you're like, what does that mean? And if you put spiked, it always completes it to a terrible beast so i just mm. assume terrible beast for all of those gotcha and it ends up working out mm. but they're anyway, speared and, too and they have spears yeah, yeah. they that's they, and ultimately the parts. correct answer is spear like when they use their spears it's supposed to be speared by a terrible beast they had as opposed I, to spiked and they also shoot spikes <laughs> yeah i was gonna say yeah <laughs> like i think it's the crab monsters have a thing where they shoot spikes at you mm-hmm. yeah but uh andy what, so, what is your view on the difficulty curve uh I kind of had a similar experience to Chad, but like eight times more mild. Uh, where, <laughs> Sounds like you. Like once I got towards the end, it started getting like a bit tedious and frustrating. I looked one or two things up. I'll admit it. Um, I know you coward. Uh, <laughs> but um, walk the plank. Yeah, I, I really liked like the first half where it kept leading me from thing to thing. That was really like exciting and engaging. And then I yeah I didn't really hit a wall to like right up at the end like sweeping up the last few things, um, and I was uh, you've brought up playing you played it with Janelle like I was thinking the whole time this would have been a great game for us to have played together when I used to come over when I'd come home from Morgantown and we'd play games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like it it felt like ripe for like playing with somebody else. Because, like, um, I remember you, like, I before we had played um, Grim Fandango, you talking about how hard it was and how long it was. Mm-hmm. And then Dan and I played it together, and, like, we beat it pretty quick. Right. At least, like, three-fourths of it. Like, it gets pretty ridiculous towards the end. <laughs> uh, and so, like, I was thinking, like, games like this that are more, like, adventure like, notice details in the environment kind of games are better played with somebody else. Because, yeah, you fill in each other's weak spots. Yeah, I mean, there were even times in this game where I would interpret something that somebody said in the wrong way. Um, it's like right when the crab monsters attack, and uh, one of the characters, I think the carpenter's mate, says like, "It's over for Nick already." Like I, oh, could, yeah. I could not wrap my head around the correct interpretation of that. Like I kept marking people in the scene as Nick, and Janelle literally had to like tell me to shut up and explain what he meant by that like it's over for nick like (laughs) nick's already been killed and that like led us to correctly identifying him that kind of you know and if i wasn't playing with her i would have been probably hung up on that for you know another couple hours before i realized that i had made a mistake 
So I, mm-hmm. I, I do real. I think that it can't be understated or overstated um, how much having someone else play the game who is engaged with what's going on can help mm-hmm. you avoid pitfalls. And even when you have a group present, it's not like there's ever going to be a time where you have so many people that are like, oh, the game's way too easy now because you have that reward of like the social interaction. Like when someone else in the room speaks and like gives you the solution and has that aha moment, like you're kind of there with them and it feels good to be with someone and be a part of that when they figured it out. So it's not like you're losing anything comparatively. Like it, it's still a really cool experience, even if it, the difficulty curve goes way down. Yeah, I mean, it's the same uh, concept that's behind like, why escape rooms are like a big social thing now where you take a group of people in to solve a puzzle that most likely you're going to hit something that you aren't going to be able to do by yourself mm-hmm. and having the other people there and it feels collaborative and it feels good like that. I feel like that description though seems totally at odds with the way that you enjoy that you think that you would have enjoyed this game the most. Oh yeah, I I think both I would have enjoyed more than yeah. the way that I did it, but I I enjoyed all three tremendously. <laughs> At least I wait, presume I would. Wait, when you said you would enjoy tackling it like piece by piece yeah. in the way that you did, are you doing? Are you saying that like? With the caveat that, like, you had been taking notes that you can go back and reference. Because I feel like if I tackled this game over a long period of time, I would just forget everything. I, no, I said it with the caveat. Mo- forgot <laughs> most things on my second playthrough. <laughs> I, I say that with the caveat of, like, I'd spend 15 minutes to 30 minutes in every scene. In every flashback. Oh. Yes. Okay. Yes. Giving myself plenty of time, not just to remember, but to take in those details uh-huh. and have no pressure to rush and ignore the watch when it's shaking around and telling right. you to be like, because I still think that's a good design decision. We've already touched on the, on that element of, of jumping between into further memories before that little chaining of deaths. That's, it seems like a good decision on their part to force you into the classic, like sleuth position of like, oh, we got to revisit things. we got to check this a second time because that is in itself also rewarding when you correct your own prior mistakes Mm -hmm. uh so i'm fine with that but i prefer to live in a way in which i could just spend a long time avoiding those in the first place and just hang out until the oberden feels like my own bedroom my own (laughs) wonderful living space before things get frustrating Yeah. yeah the uh the actual thing that i'm kind of like I don't know. I feel like I missed a bit of an opportunity on this one uh-huh. uh, because the game pretty clearly signals to you that there's a like there's the coward's way out, which is to just fucking leave mm-hmm. uh, as soon as the rain starts. Which mm-hmm. the rain sound actually like this is gonna be a very personal thing annoyed the shit out of me like the fact that the raining was happening all uh, the time yeah, so I, I kept going below deck uh, i felt the, that's, that's i felt the, the exact chad opposite thing I've ever heard. yeah that's, like, that's deeply chad that is a discord thought, emote in the waiting i right found there. myself wishing that the rain had been there the whole time yep yeah because it made it like more atmospheric people literally uh, sell devices that do nothing but make those sounds chad yeah i don't buy those <laughs> Yeah, no. It did kind of highlight. There was a while in law school where I would just like put on rain sounds to go to sleep every night. So Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. It it kind of made it stand out to me that there were no like ocean sound effects, though. Like like waves crashing on the boat. See, here's the thing: like ambient rain sound that you use to go to sleep, and also I would like to emphasize actual rain. (laughs) Yes. Do not annoy me in the way that this this did because I had like I would literally sit at a chair. 
where there was no other noise and then put headphones on which just made rain noise at me while I read a book. That, like, I don't know. Something about that just didn't sit right with me. But <laughs> the, the point of this, in the end, is that at that point you can leave and just go do whatever. Yeah. And I really should have just solved what else I could based on the knowledge that I had or the hunches that I had where I knew I could go gather a little bit more information, knew what to tie up, the things that were satisfying to do, and then leave. Because, one, the end-of-game ending, while it does provide context, is exceptionally idiot-proof. Like, you could not fuck up that ending if you... Well, you could do it by just intentionally picking the wrong ones, but you would know that you were doing that mm -hmm. because there's literally only two other people to fill in and they don't look anything alike and you can see both. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, it, and I think that's a good decision because it, it, it makes the ending have a good pacing to it. It lets it's you like sort of... like a victory of, lap. Exactly. And it lets you sort of put the story together yourself. But it was preceded by my worst experience in the game. And if I had just left at the beginning, gotten to the credits whatever been done i feel like i would have walked away from it the way that i walked away from her story which was a lot more positively where i said i feel like i understand the majority of this to a level that's satisfactory to me without knowing that this motherfucker's name is john like i could give a fuck <laughs> yeah her story doesn't have like the complete the book kind of goal to it right so you it like le like walking away when you feel satisfied works in her story whereas in this game you feel like you're leaving it unfinished yeah the game also agrees that it's unfinished and right. makes fun of you uh <laughs> i i actually did this because i wanted to see what would happen i played chicken you with the game a little bit yeah, you get an achievement yeah. and then there's a button on the menu yeah, that, that I, says you can just go back and rewind till like just before you left. But literally, all that happens is you're still in the room, you still have the tea, you still get the letter. But instead of receiving the monkey's paw package, it's just a letter that's just like, "Oh, he died, and he his last words were expressing his regret at giving you this job because of how poorly <laughs> you did at it and how much you sucked in every way." You are and, bad at insurance. Yeah, yeah, dude, that's so on brand. The, the and game, also, I love it. The game even makes like a war 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 noise as the letter like goes down and receives <laughs> yeah. at the bottom of the screen and then just the end pops up instead game is very clear that you did not beat the yeah. game and you would have felt much worse i think yeah. if the game just called you a moron for doing that thing yeah i also left before getting them all so. uh because i i got to where i had two left and i noticed there was like a blank chapter so i was like maybe these are for that chapter and like you know, because, like, I was, like, at right. my wall at that point, yeah. and I'm like, I can't figure these out. Mm -hmm. So I just left thinking, like, maybe I have to do these after some scene. And then I was like, nope. <laughs> you get, like, the bad ending. <laughs> oh, you had two left. Like, in the, not yeah. Not including the two yeah, that Yeah, you yeah, you get. actually have to, yeah. 56. So, yeah, yeah, I had two left to actually fill in in the book mm -hmm. and thought maybe... I, I had to do them after leaving or something. Yeah. I found Cause of Death, with the, of course, exception of the fucking dr the Drowners, uh, <laughs> all of the, uh, not, was it a, isn't that a Witcher 3 anime? Yeah. Not those guys, but rather the people who were stupid enough to drown. Uh, <laughs> take the, this is the takeaway. Only idiots drown. Uh, <laughs> 
hot take. I'm taking a hard stance against <laughs> drowning as a legitimate cause of death. <laughs> Wait, it- no, this is all a joke. <laughs> <laughs> We're not getting into an actual conversation about this. Fine. Uh, so, I even have forgotten. I think that you should leave when you feel satisfied that you understand the mystery. And I have a question for everybody. Are you guys satisfied with the first half of this podcast. Yeah, I'm really hot. I've got some <laughs> some pit accessories that should not be there. Mm-hmm. The accessories like droplets of water. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Crabs. Bunna. Chad, can I introduce the next segment, even though you usually do it? Uh, Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so... I like this as a tradition. I like this a lot. Yeah, I know that longtime listeners, this is one of their favorite segments. We do it every episode. Uh, I think it started in the Mario Sunshine episode. I don't want to infringe on anyone else's IP. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I think this started the Mario Sunshine episode. It's uh, we do it every episode. Uh, JJ reviews Justice Systems. Uh, it's JJ's Justice Corner. Um, so JJ, there was a trial in this game. Uh, a man confessed to murder and then was summarily executed. Uh, what did What did you think? What was what's your review of Oberdin's Justice System? I don't think pirates should have voting rights. And I think at least one of them were, was a pirate, because one guy stole, stole some stuff. Actually, two guys stole some stuff on further review. Uh, and they screwed everything up, because they're pirates. And they do bad things uh, for bad reasons to good people. Uh, <laughs> Exclusively. <laughs> Exclusively. It's like, that's their job. It's mm-hmm. when you look up pirate in the job dictionary, and you go down and you scroll past all the other jobs. Mm-hmm. When you look at pirates in the compendium of universal knowledge. Uh, <laughs> of just jobs. Universal yeah, jobs. Yeah, it, it tells you all this. All jobs that will ever exist. Here's a question, though. Is a pirate execution yeah. really a justice system in, like, the traditional sense? Or is it more just, like, he another thing that pirates does he, do? Hold on. Did he say that he's sentenced to death under, like, the authority of the East India Company? Yeah, can, I, can I jump in the here? The East India Company does yeah. not have fucking authority <laughs> yeah, of maritime law. Okay, okay. Yeah, First off, does. yes, they absolutely do, as a corporation commissioned by the English Crown. Uh, yes. They absolutely do. And second off, they're, none of these guys are pirates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, these are not they pirates. They a few things. <laughs> So, why did you stop hating on Chad's ignorance of the East India Company and turn back around <laughs> on my stupid jokes about pirates? Uh, distributed. I was actually so this is like such a fucking detour from yeah. this other detour. Uh huh. But the East India Company is something that I've heard multiple times. This is, I assume, a real thing. Y- yes. It's, it was it one is? of the most powerful organizations to ever exist in human history. Okay, so here's some things people in the podcast should know about me. Uh-huh. I'm impatient. <laughs> I don't know a whole lot about history. And three, I've never been on a boat before. 
I think these things coalesce into it being understandable that I have no idea what this is outside of fiction. Also, the tragedy that is the American education system. I guess <laughs> this one was even relevant to us. Mine, like, highly relevant to the formation of our country. Oh, when you said us, I assumed you meant me in particular. I meant seems... Americans, Chad. Uh, I yeah. meant citizens of the United States <laughs> of America. Unless you've forgotten where you live oh, and who's, who assures your freedoms and why. Yeah, Pirates of the Caribbean is no, uh, where I learned about it. <laughs> yeah, the, the East India Company was a real thing. Uh, I, you know, relative to some other times or events in history, I don't know a ton about it, but I mean, it was basically ostensibly a corporation chartered by the English crown, but corporation, if you think about it in sort of modern terms, is probably a little misleading. Um, yeah. It, it operated essentially as a quasi-governmental body and had a monopoly on trade in lots of parts of, like, the English Empire. So, like, India and China and other parts of Asia. Um, JJ is right. The East India Company was like one of the most pr uh, powerful again, ostensibly private organizations in world history and basically operated as a government with its own military and other sort of state resources. So do we think that based on that information, I should have garnered anything about this narrative that I probably just missed completely? No, no I don't that think part so. Didn't matter that much. Now that's good. That's, yeah. that's a positive thing. Cause <laughs> I was just, I thought that it was like, uh, uh, like a like uh, the TV trope would be a bland name product, where it's just like a thing that people use all the time to represent like some kind of company. I mean, I guess that's better than thinking that like this game was set in the universe of Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> which is an alternative. Yeah, I mean, in my defense, I also didn't know about it in Pirates of the Caribbean because, as I've mentioned on this podcast this year. <laughs> Just a few episodes ago, I've only seen the first Pirates movie, Bless you. and I was nine, and it was in theaters, and I remember literally nothing about it. So, it wasn't that. <laughs> I don't know where I heard I mean, it. I'm pretty the sure the East India Company was only in the third Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Maybe the they're second in, one? They're second. In, they're second in third. the original I don't well. think so. I'm pretty sure. I don't aren't, think so. Uh, they aren't like a narrative force. Right. They're just there and around. Yeah, just for context, well, whatever. Like, at the turn of the 19th century, so like when this game is set, I'm reasonably sure that the East India Company basically was uh, the English presence in India. Like, I, they had a private army that was bigger than the British official army in India and essentially governed India. Big boys. They were big boys with law. This is like legitimate, like actual cool information that I'm glad is being put on the podcast. <laughs> like people are, people are gonna listen to like us talking about Rascal, and they're gonna be like, "Ha ha, good time," and they're gonna come away from the overdue, and they're gonna be like, "Ha ha." I learned some shit. <laughs> it's your point that I should only be a guest host on episodes where I can put my master's degree in history uh, to use. Yeah, basically. <laughs> uh -huh. Rascal, I could not find a way to shoehorn in any history. <laughs> yeah, I guess NATO is, uh, was in Rascal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How accurate is Castle Pass to actual <laughs> to actually, yeah, yeah. Not Castle's very accurate, I could say. No, <laughs> actually, this does segue into something actually relevant to Oberdin. Uh, mm -hmm. If we dare tread back into 
the waters. These of cursed relevancy. waters. Yes, tra- yeah. are we gonna tread the water? Yeah, yeah. Um, let's get let's get on it. This is a small point, but it's like maybe it'll lead to something more interesting. Were you guys tripped up at all by the uh, carpenter and carpenter's mate? Um, yes, because the the carpenter in the game is um, is black. They're both Americans, and the yeah. carpenter's mate is a kind of like middle aged white guy. And uh, I, 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 I've been going back and forth on whether I object to that on like the from the game's point of view. I mean, I actually did a little bit of follow up research on this because I didn't want to be wildly off base. Uh, the bullet point version of it is i was unable to confirm either way but i have a strong suspicion that it would basically be unheard of in 1806 for a a black man to be the carpenter and to have a white man be the carpenter's mate and i i couldn't i can't decide if i think that was the game being a little tricky in a way that wasn't actually justified or not uh, i don't know i don't know if you guys had a similar experience with that or not I- I did the exact same thing where, mm-hmm. like, I labeled them backwards mm-hmm. uh, on, like, similar assumptions. And uh, it does kind of feel like something that's there just to catch you out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's also the, the the matter of when you find the corpse uh, for the carpenter, the carpenter's mate is actually doing carpentry like a carpenter might do and he uh, sent his mate to go check right, on something exactly yeah. which is which was like basically my entire uh like line of thinking as to identifying who these people were uh because i narrowed it down to that they had to be one of the two and i assigned it based on that scene and yeah it does feel like maybe it's a little bit of that but at also at the same time when you're on a boat and I don't think, I mean, there's some, like, very clear, like, intentional, uh, like, narrative racism that is intended in the game, like, mm-hmm. as both part of world building and also kind of like an implied stereotyping yeah. that helps the player identify things, uh, which may or may not help depending on whatever your proclivities are. I don't think that if you found this game easy that you were a racist, that would be an incredible <laughs> leap. And I want to ensure that that's not what I'm getting across. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, and so like when you put all of that stuff together, it does seem to make no sense that it would be the other way around when mm-hmm. actually it is. It's yeah. an easy fix once you make enough other assumptions that you can narrow it down further mm-hmm. uh, because you just flip-flop the names and if it clicks then you've got it but, yeah. right and That's they're, and they're both americans say. and i i think they're the only americans on the ship so you know even if you get it wrong you're right it's not really um that material but i'm i don't know I, this is an english ship and in england didn't abolish slavery until the 1830s like I, I can't imagine that it would be commonplace at all that a, a black sailor would have subordinates who were white. Uh, I just thought that was an interesting choice given how um, the rest of the game really seemed authentic in the way that the de- like small details would let you deduce people's identities. Um, yeah, I, th- I mean, it could be... That this ship is just like a very progressive. <laughs> exactly right. Like it could like, be a random one off. Like... It could be the only black carpenter in the entire English Navy. Uh, <laughs> right. It's not. It's not out of the question. 
Yeah, I feel like the only race that they, like, inherently show bias toward... Mermaids. Well, mermaids for <laughs> sure. Uh, which I'm against as a, a merfolk player in modern. They're spiky uh, and uncomfortable. Yeah. And they have two sets of breasts that are always, like, present. And yeah, and, and visible. They yeah. do, like, weird back bends so uh-huh. that you can tell that they're not human people. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, Put a fucking shirt on. <laughs> But they do seem to really hate the, I believe it's the Taiwanese. The Formosans. Uh, yeah, because they say the, but it's, that that is like, I googled that one as well. I was like, what is this nation? And I'm pretty sure Taiwan is what came up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, oh boy, do they hate those guys uh, a whole lot. <laughs> But they got, like, magic powers and shit. Well, they do have magic powers, which is, is in itself a little bit weird, right? Yeah, that like, is, granted, that is one of the strangest ways that old-timey racism generally comes up. Mm-hmm. And, like, the assignment of, like, yeah. extra human abilities. Right, like, like witches in, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. You can trace it back. People are just afraid of people with magical powers. Yeah. Which I think is more reasonable. Hey, but <laughs> maybe racism makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a thing I should put on the internet. Yeah, uh, you're fine. Yeah, probably. No racist thing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it is, it is strange. But they don't really have magical powers. They have access to magical powers. Yeah, they have a, They have like literally a chest full of shells yeah. that is very strongly desired by spiky mermen, crab people, a ballista shrimp and a fucking kraken. Well, as far as we can tell, they can basically use magic once and then it kills them. I mean, yeah. when they're being attacked by mermaids is the only time we see somebody who is a human being activate these shells and uh, he burns to death after doing that. So, yeah. Yeah, there's two separate arms that are very clearly lost, but I feel like that's more problem with the setting in that no one's invented like latex yet. And I'm pretty sure that if you just had like a good forearm covering there, like some <laughs> thick surgical gloves, you could just get it on in that real nice and fast. Uh, I don't know if we wanted to continue down this no. like route, but it, it does it lead into something that I do want to talk about, which is this game goes very quickly into the Kraken, and I appreciate that in a level that I've appreciated very few things in my life. <laughs> the, the fact that this game starts in a way that's so unassuming, where it's like, oh, you walk in, you see the guy shoots the guy, the guy clubs the guy, the guy sneaks in through the back and he gets his head bashed in. You find the other corpse for the woman, and then you go, and there's a fucking giant octopus tearing the whole <laughs> ship apart. Like, instantly. Like, it was in the first 20 minutes of the game, and I'm immediately intrigued. Yeah, right? Yeah. It's like the, a Kraken attack is, like, expected. I think if you know there's a supernatural element, anyway. which I didn't, right. wasn't sure. And I mean, I guess there's obviously the stopwatch. Yeah, but yeah, that's, I think they, yeah. they get difference. the kraken out of the way early so that the crab people can be an awesome surprise. Right. Yeah, that's a great terrifying. reveal. I love that. Mm-hmm. Peering oh, yeah, in through, through the, the people. Yeah, yeah, in the the lazarette. God damn, is a yes. uh, <laughs> is such a good moment because you do you get that limited viewpoint. You get all of that shit where you kind of. Just ha- where you pe- you're piecing together what happens, and then you literally turn the corner, and it's just like insanity. That's uh, real good. That's gonna be my Halloween costume this year. Oh, big crab guy. <laughs> big crab guy. Yeah. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> 
<laughs> you have to do it like uh like one of the the two person horse costumes, but one of them is mounted on top of the other one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like one it's person a lot more is... acrobatic. So it's really you're just riding another human being. It's a piggyback ride. Yeah. It's a, a crabby back ride. <laughs> I don't know why that that gave. I think I had a taste to that word. Uh, that's the that's the sm- smell the salt of the sea, JJ. I feel like I just licked a crab shell. I feel like that's probably what living on a boat is really like mm-hmm. every day. It's like licking a crab shell. <laughs> Your point about the. I mean, you're definitely right that getting into the Kraken early is awesome from a narrative point of view, and I do think the game. I mean, it, there are these little inflection points that keep your interest throughout the narrative it they especially center around the reveal of like new creatures so yeah when the when the crab demons attack that is a totally wild moment of like what is this i mean (laughs) uh and the mermaids too i mean like i was so Mm -hmm. excited and surprised uh by the mermaids showing up um i think that the the use of the monster reveals throughout the narrative is actually really effective. I also want to call out in sort of a similar vein, the, uh, like on the, the flip side of that is the incredibly mundane stuff that sort of leads into it. And specifically the fact that they include the deaths of a monkey, a cow and a stowaway who is in a crate that unfortunately fell on a guy. (laughs) Yeah. The, the, the cow death was one of like my favorite moments Mm because that comes fairly early on in like the first uh like third of the game and i was like oh that's so creative that the cow skull on the wall can be used to like view uh to gain new information and like i found myself wishing they would have done a little bit more with that because like there's one uh memory where there's a goat in a cage up on deck and it you never that never comes into play. I was like, I, I wish they would have done that sort of thing a little bit more often. I feel like there is somewhere that I didn't find, and clearly you didn't find uh, that. Like the goat somehow signifies the identity of some crew member. Like I'm positive that it's <laughs> like there. the butcher. Yeah, mm-hmm. like the connection has to exist. I just don't know what it would be. I'll say there is a any... there was a free roaming chicken that Janelle and I were very suspicious of. Uh, <laughs> it showed up in a lot of memories. We we're like, oh, that chicken! Yeah. Like, it's going to be somehow significant. Mm-hmm. I like to imagine that it's like one of the because like when you go when you go through one of the memories, uh, and the one that I think like is the most eye opening is the one where the guy dies of some kind of sickness in a bunk bed, yeah. and it says like twenty two others present, and yes. you're like what like there's like four dudes here and then like that's when you kind of realize that there's like a whole bunch of people there that aren't necessarily going to be called out and uh i really wanted it i that, that would be great if there was just a scene that was like five others present and you find the four other people and then the chicken is one of them <laughs> like you zoom in on the chicken it pulls up one of it's like the justice at sea yeah like, it's like zooms in comically on this one chicken that's like between two people <laughs> Where's Waldo? Yeah, where's that chicken? That chicken. Yeah. Where's that chicken? <laughs> Catch that chicken. A new Popeyes campaign <laughs> being launched. <laughs> In the God. kids' meals, you get like a where a where's that chicken book. It doesn't even have to be Waldo themed. It could just be like, where's that chicken? Here, Popeyes. Where, <laughs> where the chicken is? Come get some. 
That's what they say at Popeyes, yeah. right? Yeah, it's Popeyes. I fucking love Popeyes. Come, come get some. <laughs> and it's like you can either go there and get chicken, or they're just gonna beat the tar out of you. <laughs> Why do you think it's a trap? <laughs> yeah, come get some. <laughs> that's such a that's the most antagonistic phrase. Continuing the no clip obsession with uh, taglines and uh-huh. slogans. Yeah. <laughs> oh, speaking of obsessions and animals that die. My deep, like, obsession in this game, more than any other, was the monkey. So it, 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 like, made the ending all the more important for me. Because I, there was one scene ever where I saw the monkey. I assume, I assume I'm just stupid and didn't see it at some other point. Which scene did you see the monkey I don't remember. Forever ago. I think I also only saw him. Yeah. And from that moment, I was like, oh, man, that's cute. The surgeon has a monkey. Never seen again. Like, complete. (laughs) It's in the photo, (laughs) isn't it? I I don't remember. He's not in that many scenes. I mean, I'm sure he's in more than one, but actually there's not that many that you missed, I don't think. Yeah. I was just, I was entranced by this monkey because it's such like a defining characteristic of a person, but it also makes sense why he wouldn't have like the monkey around during surgery. I don't (laughs) think that's really that helpful of an assistant, but I was, I would, I could not, I looked so hard for more monkey evidence and found nothing. I, there was a point in time in which I genuinely, not a joke, thought the monkey might've been some kind of like mystical plant from like other malicious <laughs> forces, but uh, from the foreign enemies, yeah, yeah. yeah from the foreign enemies, the whole time. Yeah, the fact that you could use animals to like to travel back to made me wish that you could have also done that with the crab men and the mermaids. Yeah. So my first impression, actually, on the crab men, uh, partly because of my like just total lack of observational skill, and to based on the way that they look in the in the scenes because everything is drawn in a way that is drawn it's raycasted in a way rendered yeah it it, it, that looks everything looks like not totally real or like things like fire and and other physical attributes create like wild distortions i thought that the crabs actually were passengers that had like morphed into crabs because of something <laughs> that's because... actually not that like, no it's not outside of the own possibility it's like mutated yeah it's the first one that you find that you can click on is a guy who was burned to death when they were burning the crab to death but it just seemed like the watch just pops up when the cra- at the crab and i didn't even notice the dude so i just was like Oh shit! Gonna find out what happened to this crab guy. <laughs> Go to a guy. <laughs> yeah, and so I went into the the thing, and they showed the guy, and then eventually I figured out like, oh, the crabs are t- are separate entities <laughs> that have things on top of them. Uh-huh. But I always thought that they were like actually other crew members, mm-hmm. and that was gonna be. To me, that was like at that point in the game, it was like the most exciting mystery to solve. Is like who were the people who were became cr- the crab men? Yeah, who were like the crab corrupted? How can I <laughs> perform the crab ritual? Exactly, yeah. make to myself become a, a crab, a crab drider, and <laughs> escape to the bottom of the sea. Fucking stunned! I just thought of this right now. They never brought up the shell glow off the coast. Yes, that never oh, came up again. Yes. Yep, I I was going to bring that up earlier when we were talking about, because I noticed that, like, off the boat, um, that there was the little twinkling thing Mm -hmm. in the distance. Pretty much immediately. Yeah. Yeah. And whenever you 
do the scene where the people are on the boats and they get attacked by the mermaids, one of them has that glowy thing like attached to it. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I didn't remember if that was the shell or if that was just part of the mermaid. I didn't remember. It's the shell. But I was like, yeah, I thought, yeah, I thought that was like the explanation for that, maybe. But then I don't know if it ever actually. You mean like there makes are sense? There are mermaid spies. No, no, no. I think that scene <laughs> is like, like you know how like when you find a corpse, it stays there. Yeah. Like maybe that scene was like stayed there uh, off in the distance. That's or interesting. Mm-hmm. But it's there the whole time. Yeah. That, my interpretation of it was at the at the last scene or maybe the penultimate scene. Um, the whichever mate it is who is like the good guy officer at the end asks the mermaid to guide the ship back safely, and my and Janelle's interpretation of it was that that was the mermaid like off in the water who had uh, uh escorted the ship back to safety like still out there. That I think makes more sense. Than yeah, that makes like a, a lot of yeah. sense. Except yeah. that's a that's a slow ass mermaid. Cause I spent like seven hours on that <laughs> ship. And I don't think that they got very <laughs> far just, away. It's at just all. it's just hanging out. Yeah. Uh, it's like what's that guy doing on that ship? <laughs> I, I he keeps, wa- that he ship keeps walking all around, just ready to spear <laughs> you through the jaw in case you try to uh, take their ship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I was actually going to ask about, like, if you guys had any hard conclusions about the ending, and I am actually really satisfied to hear that everybody sort of had uh, more of an interpretive understanding of it than, like, something concrete, because I feel like that's what's intended. Oh, yeah. And it's also my favorite way to write something, is to make sure that there's, like, just a, an element that is just unknowable, and in this case, it happens to be these, like, mystical ancient shells, which sort of act as a MacGuffin, but also are, like, in themselves defined and intriguing enough that you feel like there should be more information and maybe you can puzzle some things out, but the game refuses to give you concrete evidence on it. Yep. It's like Twin Peaks The Return Episode 8. It's wild. <laughs> <laughs> Why well, also did you Great guys callback? Uh, yeah, I got that reference just for you who've never seen the show. <laughs> Thanks. Yes. Did you guys have an interpretation of um when your character puts the book back on the bookshelf at the end, what that was meant to signify? Cause I was wondering whether it was meant to suggest that like this is a routine thing that your character does. Like, here, here's one entry in the many times I have, like, cataloged the chronology of, of somebody's death. Oh, that's, did... that's canon. Um, Not in, like, the mystical way. Not in, like, the, like, I go back in time with the watch. Because he didn't own the watch until the guy. But, but your character is an insurance collector. It is his job to, like, go to where all these horrible things happen and determine insurance payouts. Like that's what the right. whole letter at the end is. Well, I, I, under, I understood that. I was, I didn't. It wasn't clear to me, and maybe I just missed something at the beginning. Did Did you get the watch just as part of? Did Evans send you the watch? Yes, yeah, that's another recurring package. mystery. Is like where did the surgeon yeah, get the why, watch? Yeah, why does he have that watch? And he clearly understands how it works perfectly yeah. because of the monkey. So he's like also like an unknown mystical force. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm assuming it's something that he came across, 
Like, in his whatever... In his medicine travels? Well, clearly the dude isn't just, like, straight up a regular fucking surgeon. Because, like, he's got a lot of kind of quirks about him, we'll say. The Mm -hmm. carrying around a monkey thing is kind of a big giveaway for that. I'd say that's a pretty strong quirk. Yeah, that's like a... Oh, man, what's that guy's name? Sam... Samwise Gamgee, that's not it. From uh... <laughs> the monkey of Samwise Gamgee. Yeah. There's a, there's that a lovable monkey mascot. He's like a voodoo <laughs> priest, <laughs> and he's like a just the wildest shit in the world. I feel like that's like kind of the vibe I get. Yeah from anybody who walks around with a monkey, even though he clearly is just sort of like more of a normal guy. Yeah. Uh, Baron Samadai is who I'm thinking gotcha. of. Either way, uh, I do want to point out real quick that I'm fairly certain that your character is female. And we all... Yes, I, I think that's right. Yeah. There's, there's a tell at the beginning of the game. I forget what it was, but I, I had the same conclusion. Yeah. I, like, I think it's, it's understood that it's a female character and we just like... Literally everyone used a male pronoun there at the in the last like two minutes, so I'm just like throwing that out. I'm I'm fairly certain that that's intended. Mm-hmm. But yeah, your insurance uh, assessor, I think, yeah, is the yeah, actual yeah. term. The term. Uh, and and so yeah, my interpretation of the book thing is just that now that it, like I think it it is a very literal thing. I don't think that she actually is a she's not a magic detective. There is a year time gap in between the two. That is plenty of time with that watch to become a magic detective. (laughs) (laughs) I took it as a more just kind of like simple symbolic thing of like the story's over now. So, so she put she, she puts the book, she closes it and puts it on the shelf. It's specifically like it's done. for people who got the you suck dumbass yeah. ending <laughs> to be like, when you're actually finished, yeah. you can put the book on yeah, the shelf. Yeah, like the book's now been gifted to her mm-hmm. and she's going to put it back up on her shelf. Uh, That's all yeah. that I got out of it. Question. Very important. Jumping back several steps. Was it more... Or less common for someone to own a monkey 200 years ago? Are there more people with monkeys as a percentage <laughs> now or less? Ooh, as I a wanna, percentage totally fucking flips that on its head. I want a motion to not have that discussion <laughs> and to talk about something else. Uh, I won't have a discussion. However, I will assert that I believe that it is a higher number of people who own monkeys now and a higher percentage of people who owned monkeys then. <laughs> okay. And I bet you that there is a direct My correlation to, <laughs> to death by monkeys that happened <laughs> in the ensuing 300 years. <laughs> understandable, understandable. No discussion necessary. Daniel, what is your stance? Uh, I'm trying to come up with a funny view on this uh, while Shadow's talking, but I actually don't Stop. think I have one. Uh, Stop trying to obscure the truth and just give us. Yeah, I think that. Knowledge. Uh, I think that Chad's probably wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that. Uh, I think a high, both a higher total number and a higher percentage of people own monkeys now than did in the uh, at the turn of the 19th century, when mm-hmm. most people had like never traveled outside of like the 50 square mile area of their home. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. Probably more people uh, own monkeys now. Andy, sure. All right, <laughs> all right. Uh, 
well, come to our Discord, discuss this. Yeah, what's the <laughs> important topic? I don't know if this is a thing that I've expressed on the podcast before. You hate me? I hate <laughs> monkeys. Oh. Uh, like, I just don't like monkeys, like, as, a, <laughs> as an animal. Like, they're one of my least favorites. Uh, and one of the most annoying things about monkeys, probably one of the most annoying things about all animals, uh, or of all the animals, the monkeys have the most annoying of this is their like vocal emanations and the sounds that they make. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, the sound design of this game is incredible. Agree. That that is not a transition. But uh, I think you mean that is the strongest segue <laughs> ever prepared. Automatically ruined if you acknowledge it. Oh, well, I'll cut this part out. Okay. <laughs> like the part where he disagrees with me. Right. And now everyone just go in. I am great and smart. But ha- yes. that's important context for the Discord debate that is going to take place. <laughs> uh, Over monkeys. So yeah. I, I just want to be on the record as objecting to you removing that part of the podcast. Okay. Um, <laughs> by on the record, you mean off the record because that is Chad's decision. The record <laughs> tends to fall exclusively in his domain. Uh, this is true. I agree. The sound design is great. Yeah. Uh, so right before we made, we went to the uh, the 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 break, mm-hmm. right, and the podcast, uh, we got to this stupid joke or whatever <laughs> awkward way that we ended it, like we always do. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then Dan did a very uh, telling, like a bum, bum, like that noise. Yep. Uh, and everyone, I'm assuming, instantaneously knew exactly what the fuck he was talking about. Yep. yep. Because the sound cues in this game are like, I don't know what it is about them, but they just, they are, uh, like instantly <laughs> change the emotion of the situation you're in and prepare you for the next one in like a flawless way. Yep. Like, I don't understand how this was done so well with the team that he had. I, I is on record on this podcast already that I believe music is like magical mysticism from a time long past mm-hmm. that that no amount of knowledge can ever bridge the gap into understanding. <laughs> yeah. uh, and for similar reasons, I think the sound design in this game kind of gets there where I feel literally enchanted as if a hex has been placed upon me. But it's a good hex. They use it really effectively to separate the present from the past that you're viewing. Uh, like it's like going from the mundane, like kind of you're a person doing their job, kind of a thing of walking around the ship, to and then it goes like that, dun, dun, and like you're kind of like transported into like a still from an adventure serial, mm-hmm. and like the music really emphasizes that. The change in sound too. You're going from almost perfectly quiet to like the, normally the hustle and bustle of ship life, mm-hmm. or some kind of cue in terms of what's people talking around you because you never speak there's nothing to break up the silence where you're at other than the occasional annoying ship guy but uh yeah so there's a contrast not just in the existence of that separation point and the cues that the music goes through but it you it feels like you're going back to somewhere that's alive even though you're literally looking at a still and also and oh go ahead oh i was just gonna say not even the melodic parts of the sound design but even just the kind of like mundane sounds of the ship as you describe them i think were really good and really effective um i mean it, both in the scenes where r- small details and sounds can actually be really important to deducing people's identities and just in sort of walking around the ship i mean i recall a specific point in time in playing this game where 
we were in the cargo hold and the lowest level of the ship where I felt genuinely uneasy just because of how much the sound design had transported me to the place we were on the ship. Um, I mean, it's hard to articulate, but like it really felt like we were like in the lowest part of the ship and something about it just felt like very spooky and very like, (laughs) I, I honestly, I mean, partly because this is a, this is a modern game and they had the ability to, this game could have turned, taken a 180 at any moment. Um, and so I always felt like um, a sense of uncertainty about what might happen next. And I, I, it almost felt like a horror game for me down in the cargo hold. I, I felt like unsafe, even though I was the only actual actor at play. Agreed. Completely. I want to know where this game sourced its creaky wood. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Like, that's always it's one of my favorite jobs to, to like watch videos or do interviews with are people who are in sound design, especially old timey people like the old Looney Tunes sound designers who were just trying to fucking find objects that <laughs> right. made something not literally the sound, but like the sound. Like the Foley, the Foley people. Yeah. yeah. This is yeah. We've, we've talked about Foley on this podcast like several <laughs> times for yeah. some reason. Uh-huh. One of my favorite examples is like I don't remember how I found this but uh, the guy who did the Foley work, or one of them anyway, uh, for Hyperlight Drifter, like recorded like a like they were recording like a making of thing where they're talking to this guy, and he's like, okay, like today I'm gonna be like collecting some sound effects for the shotgun, uh, and then so like what he ended up uh, settling on was recording himself like slamming an oven, and then <laughs> and, and then like taking it into whatever program he uses and like you know messing with it and making it like you know compressed and like a you know like a shotgun uh i just thought that was really cool like just like around the house shit that he could use to make sound effects Mm -hmm. yeah think about all the effort that they put into making the wood even creakier (laughs) i mean the the sound design in this game made me occasionally get the feeling that we all sometimes get in real life of somebody is watching me and I can't explain mm-hmm. why I feel that way. Um, and I think that's pretty cool. And I, I, I think that was intentional. I mean, I, I genuinely yep. felt yeah, I mean, un- uh, uneasy um, at times walking around the ship. And that's that's pretty neat. Yeah. I mean, even though it isn't, like, literally haunted, it is, like, basically a ghost ship. So right. Yeah. It's a yeah. ghost ship in the way that Gone Home is a ghost game. Yeah. So, it, yeah, it does feel like there's all these dead bodies, you know. <laughs> there's a lot of dead bodies. Yeah, so, I mean, that's that's pretty unsettling. Yeah, if you don't consider this a horror game, this is probably the game with the most corpses mm-hmm. caused by someone other than you yeah. in a game. Yeah, I wouldn't call it a horror game, but it's certainly got, like, a horror atmosphere for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh. So I mostly kind of like let you guys go on about that because the thing about all of this that I really do also want to focus in on is if you watch the credits, uh, there's a ton of people who are credited for voice acting, but there's a lot fewer of them than 60 because like one dude did the voice for like four guys like pretty regularly and I have, I cannot believe how one well done the voice acting was both on like a writing and structural level the fact that it had to tie into the way that you solved uh identities 
meaning that you could learn voices and that you had to learn voices and you wouldn't get names from things and you could match accents and like localized like different shit in their voices and it was performed by so few people from what I could gather from the page or from the 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 end of the the credits scene just like fucking voiceactors.com or whatever <laughs> like they they casted like these people who just like came in and, and basically nailed this like there's not a lot of spoken dialogue but every ounce of it is important yeah i think the fact that there is so little is how you're able to pull something like that off is like when there's like not as much volume because like lots of games have like shit tons of dialogue in them when there's not as much you can really focus on the details you need like especially these are like what 30 second sound clips you know that yeah Yeah. so yeah i think that like the limited more limited scale allow them to give them like more quality into each one yeah for example um and this goes for let's just kind of loop this back around to like everything Mm mm-hmm there's a, a a set of people on the boat, uh, Nathan and other guy, <laughs> who are brothers. Uh, the Peters brothers. The, the, Peters yeah, the Peters brothers. brothers yep. Who are who? I can tell by the fact that you immediately produced that you also probably hyper focused on. As soon as that guy was like, "You killed my brother," and it's like, boom! Like immediately a connection. It's like, you hear the voice, you know that he's English, you go, like, he has, like, a Cockney accent, so you, like, go in and you look for people from England who have the same last name, and you've you've immediately narrowed down these two people, and then that leads into this whole, like, rigmarole where every time that you see something that could pertain to one of the other people, you start to, like put everything together and yeah. that's like one of my favorite sequences because it was something that lasted for the entire well yeah game. they even clue i factor into that with like the tutorial because the woman in the bed mm-hmm. uh is someone's sister isn't she she has the it's, same last name as somebody else it's the captain's wife oh, okay she's the wife okay she, she does right, have she a brother a, who's on the, who's a member of the crew i think he's an officer yeah right? yeah yeah so it's yeah the they, they introduced that like the characters will be like related to each other in that way like right at the beginning yeah it's it's so good and like the fact that they're able to like give you a big hint like that and then make the cause of death for those people so ambiguous that it's something that you just have to keep in the back of your mind so that you are always like one step closer every time that you make the next uh connection and that's just one of those things that this game just fucking nails this is of course one of the ones where they uh because I'm pretty sure that that dude drowned. He does. Yeah. He's part of the red so... shirt crew that uh, goes out yeah. in the boat. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted there to be more to that guy, too, because I like the character. Because he's in, like, every fight scene, fighting pretty valiantly. And then, like, just murders a guy, <laughs> basically, in cold <laughs> blood. I got really hung up on the tattooed guy pretty early Oh, yeah. On. Baba. He's in, yeah, he's in, like, the Kraken. yeah. Uh, he, I, he, once like I figured out what his name was, it seemed like it should have been more obvious that it was him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, like, he's in like one of the first Kraken scenes, and he's in a ton of scenes, and it took forever to figure out his what he does on the ship. Yeah, or he, what his he, name he was, was. Janelle and I's favorite character. 
Yeah. Every time we saw him in a scene, we're like, oh, Mabba's here. Uh, <laughs> which actually, I was going to ask you guys, like, were there characters in this uh, narrative who stood out to you one way or the other? Oh, uh, the uh, all of the like the, we've touched on it already. Like the carpenter, the carpenter's mate, the butcher, the the character or the artist, the ones with the more like obvious jobs that were easier to pick out, like in the surgeon and the surgeon's assistant. Mm-hmm. Like I latched on the butcher, to... the baker, the candle ship, yes, <laughs> candlestick maker. Uh, yes, all of the. Above. Did you just say candle ship maker? I did. I did. <laughs> It's it's the most intense job yeah. you've ever. Had. I guess we're I gonna get that on... NSFW yeah. uh, tag. <laughs> but yeah, I latched onto those really early on, and those really helped me like get my like a hold of the game. Where like okay, uh, the the goal is really to figure out like people's role on the ship, and like mm-hmm. I felt like those characters stood out and like made me understand that the most. Uh, the gunner guy. Uh, I think G- Gunner is, is the title that he has. Mm-hmm. He has... To- oh, with that top hat? Yeah. The penguin is what I kept calling him. Yeah, I, I loved that character that was the gun. That was the Gunner's reason. mate, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, the Gunner is the guy who has, like, the... The beard in the, the has in the a beard. Yeah. Yeah. Wolf And or something every time like you see him... He like yeah, it's Wolf W O L F F is his like full is his last name. But he uh, like because they they identify him pretty early on, and you can kind of figure that out. But his cause of death is kind of hard to to pin down, which to me made me focus on him intently all the time. <laughs> and like he's just like the difference between what I thought his model looked like versus how he was drawn was like hysterically like totally separate and i don't know like the character just really stuck out for me like that and i i kept tabs on that motherfucker until the day he died (laughs) which was pretty quick did he have is he the one who had the top half of his head blown off or did he have his arm ripped off uh he no he had the top half of his his head blown off it's a tough way to go in a, in a great way <laughs> he died doing what he loved having his head blown <laughs> yes well at least he stabbed that midshipman to death before he died <laughs> yeah. that's true yeah. dude great character like what a good guy <laughs> yeah i mean not... <laughs> planned treacheries mm-hmm. murdered the young yep mm-hmm. jj did you have a uh, a favorite crew member uh honestly i knew him as train hat guy, but it was the same guy that we've been talking about. I was also trying to learn the history of train hat guy and like why he was so distrusting of everything. I feel like this should be the episode art. It's just <laughs> these three characters. It'll Baba, be the scene of the firing guy squad. And, uh, who, yeah. Andy, who is your guy? If you had one guy. Oh, it was the tattooed guy. Oh, yeah, Maba, yeah. Just Maba, Maba and Maba, Train Hat. Yeah. But it, oh, yeah. it, it, it's Maba is in half, Maba. and Train Hat guy is just like a lower jaw with just like... His gore. head exploding <laughs> out of the back. That was a yeah, cruel way of referencing the fact that Maba was torn in half, JJ. Yeah. <laughs> you mean yeah. describing it? Just saying the words he was torn in half? Uh, the, the other crew member that really stood out to me was uh, Henry Brennan. Uh, who oh, yeah. I thought like the by the end of the game, asshole. Yes, I thought by the end of the game his body count was like six. Like I thought he had <laughs> killed basically everybody. Uh, the like final sequence revealed to me that he, apparently he only shot one dude. But uh, Brennan just always seemed to be there when something really bad was going down. 
So in my mind, he was like the most nefarious character. His body count was, I think, at least two or three. Well, he shoots the guy that was executed. He's like, his is the bullet that like finds a tunnel. Yeah, and then he sh- okay. So yeah, the I like that guy as well, but it was it was like really gratifying to get his like uh, identification correct because I guessed it. Like I didn't ha- I didn't know who he was, and I just put that all of these people were murdered by someone named Brennan. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, Brennan killed him. Brennan killed that guy too. <laughs> Fuck you, Brennan stabbed this asshole to death. Could Brennan have killed sleep. everyone on the ship? Uh, th- this is actually an achievement. Yeah. Just like, uh, yeah, if you if you put the captain for every single person's uh, cause of death, you get a uh, an achievement called the captain did it. But anyway, <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but I put Brennan for all these fucking people, and then like I labeled the guy thinking i was wrong about his identity and it immediately clicked three of them and i was like oh brennan's a fuck up like he's <laughs> he's really ruined this whole thing and then like things kind of snowballed from there yeah because that was early game that's when shit's like just kind of fast De- death mm-hmm. does follow uh in brennan's wake he he is always there when <laughs> things are going badly mm-hmm. the beanie of darkness mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> what what? I'm like trying to go heart of darkness, hat of darkness, <laughs> but uh, it's just not like as good as I wanted to be. Okay. And speaking of things that aren't as good as I wanted them to be, yeah. Uh, the way that I'm going to get from where I am now oh my God. into final thoughts. Jeez. Oh, okay. Do we have final thoughts? Oh my God. <laughs> Could you elaborate I feel like on this uh, is the... the meaning of that transition? <laughs> Uh, uh, I wanted to have a good transition to go from our podcast into the end of our podcast, and that wasn't it, but I'm still doing it anyway. (laughs) I thought your commentary was like, this podcast has been bad. Uh, No. Oh, no, I think it's been great. (laughs) Uh, Now that we've done this shit-ass podcast. (laughs) I guess Detective Pikachu wasn't that bad after all. Would you rather listen to this podcast or play Detective Pikachu? And if the answer is ever play Detective Pikachu, (laughs) we fucking retire. Uh, Anyway, are there any things that we want to jump that we want to like have a whole thing about before we go into Final Fantasy? Nope. Nope. Think I'm good? I'm good. All right. Uh, I'm actually going to go first on this one. As more mostly as a reprieve for the rest of everybody, because I feel like I say final thoughts and then I just immediately go like, oh, "What do you think?" Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically, what I think about this game is uh, probably less harsh than my discussion in the first half would lead you to believe. Mm-hmm. I think that this game is probably six hours of very satisfying puzzle solving in that. If you listen to our previous episode, uh, basically picks up everything that we thought Detective Pikachu did <laughs> wrong and does it right in a cooler context with better characters and a nicer story. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say at the beginning that the podcast gods must have heard JJ's prayers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it, th- this game is just. Uh, is rewarding in a way that I 
I guess kind of anticipated given its reputation, but not in a way that I actually expected it to. And really my uh, biggest issue with the game is just sort of that end game slog. To, to me, it felt like nowadays trying to get 100% completion in a game, albeit like scaled down pretty significantly, because you always get through a lot of stuff and maybe even enjoy yourself a lot. But then once you get to the last couple of things, usually it's not satisfying. It feels like a chore. And I felt like a lot of the guesswork that went in uh, once I had like exhausted, if I'm being honest, my patience, uh, it became less of a, an enjoyable experience. I was happy to have other things to occupy my, my mind while I was doing the brainless stuff. Uh, but doing the... Uh, the brainful stuff <laughs> that was that is arguably like mm-hmm. probably my top two or three uh, games that like actually taxed my own logic and thought process. I'm stealing number two. We're going counterclockwise, unlike the cool clock that you've got that always goes clockwise because it's a clock. Uh, (laughs) let's record them in this order and then play them in reverse order fair good uh this game is going on my list of games to to show off video games as a medium like i genuinely think this is the first true mystery game that nails the premise so hard that I think it expands like the frontier of the medium. I think people are going to iterate on this kind of minimalist design in mystery games in a very good way that I will be very happy to see, especially in different other, even necessarily not even as unique settings than the one in the Overden. Just the same mechanic set in a different place, I think would also be fantastic. And I look forward to seeing it. Like this is, I've liked this game about as much as I like portal for example i I don't think it's great for similar reasons in context it's not a personal favorite it is very very good um but it is going to be a game that i'm going to bring up when trying to convince other people that they should play video games and i think it is that good Uh, i feel very similarly to chad i think um i i respect the game a lot and i did get a fair amount of enjoyment out of it But it did hit a point for me where it kind of started to feel like work towards the end. And at the beginning, it gave me a lot of anxiety, uh, (laughs) making me feel a little bit dumb and overwhelmed at all the stuff I had to take in. But like, once I got into it, though, like there is a really enjoyable game here. And I like under different circumstances, like I said, if I had played it with somebody else, or maybe if I would have taken more notes, like I would have been able to... Uh, have a bit more of a smoother experience with it than I did, but like overall, uh, I'd say that I I did enjoy the game. Uh, I I think I'm a lot closer to JJ than Andy and Chad. Um, I don't really have a hot take about this game, but I just (laughs) really love my time with it. Um, I think the difficulty curve, keeping in mind that I played it with another person, uh, which I think is a great way to play this game, was perfect throughout. It was it felt really rewarding, but still challenging. Um, didn't hit any walls. Uh, I think the narrative hooks you from the beginning with the mutiny and has these inflection points that keep you interested throughout and always on your toes about what's going to come next. Uh, I think the detective 
part of the game feels really authentic. Um, you can solve people's identities using the kind of information you would use in real life to figure out who people are. There's not a series of prescribed steps to you have to have this information and only this information to identify this person, which I think is really great. Um, and I, this game, to me, feels one of a kind. I've never seen or played anything quite like it, so I think that really has that going for it as well. Um, so this is, yeah, I, I agree with JJ. I think this is a great game that that kind of expands on, on on video games as a as a medium or genre of entertainment. So I really loved it. I want. I hope like part of me has this slight hope that like Dan actually does lose some of this audio. <laughs> at least this whole sequence where we're like, all right, Dan, what are your final thoughts? <laughs> you're not no we're not that lazy we wouldn't fill it with nothing we would do we would do a joke at least it would be this joke is yeah. what would happen but it has to be suitably long to be funny uh that said thank y'all for listening to no clip this week i was hoping to go into it with like some amount of chuckling and i tried to like <laughs> just inject as much shackling as I could with the y'all. I don't know if that's really. I feel like we were all we were all stepping back to give you space for that joke because I, yeah. I, I just assumed there was something coming. I didn't want to step on your yeah. toes. Y- y'all never gets chuckles and only gets groans. Mm-hmm. Uh, no uh, don't you yell. fucking say oh, uh, anything bad about y'all. I had this conversation this weekend with a bunch of doctors. <laughs> hey, can, can, I, can I add one thing that I totally forget to mention? Yes. Actually, two things. Um, Maybe. First. Also, you can't feel the things. Also, you can't feel the things. Um, <laughs> did you guys get trolled by the uh, mist trail as hard as I did? Because uh, occasionally it would like lead you all around the ship, only oh. to lead you back to where you were standing originally, which I thought was very funny. <laughs> Well, it always went to exactly the place where the corpse was. Yeah, yeah, so but I would just I like originally tried to race it. I would just to get where like it was. I would get distracted and be like, "Oh, I gotta follow this," and then just like wander. Janelle would always get grumpy with me about it because she was aware of the fact that it just goes to where the corpse was. Anyway, yeah, but there is uh, a trick to it. It only it only actually moves if you're looking at where it is. Yeah. So there's like a deeper troll level where if you're just standing there like waiting for it to arrive and it goes off screen, it will never finish and the music actually like trails off oh really i never until you yes yeah i tried to outsmart it once and i was like where did it go i i thought that i had noticed some kind of correlation between looking at it and it moving yeah i wasn't ever 100 percent certain yeah so you tell janelle that she can shove it and that was necessary (laughs) for progression i will tell her that um (laughs) the second thing is way less interesting so i will just flag that maybe we don't want to include this in the podcast but uh that there was a guy who he, he was one of the drowning victims and uh there it was the scene where the cannon like shot the guy's head off uh-huh he oh, he was yep, I know exactly he was one of two about. people that died in that scene and like he's not anywhere in the actual scene and it took us forever to just guess what happened to him and I still don't understand how you were supposed to know what happened to him. Like, he literally is in one scene, and then actually, the next I chronological scene I might scene, actually he's not missing. know exactly. Yeah, oh, okay, they put him as missing? There, well, no, there's a, guy, there's a guy that gets crushed by the cannon, yeah. and then the cannon fires and, shoot, and like blows the head off the other guy. 
Right. And in the scene right before that guy gets his head blown off, this guy is standing right behind him and is listed as dying in that scene, even though his body is not in that scene. Oh, right. Yeah, he was, or at least the thing that worked for me, was shot by a kraken, which is the same cause of Weird. death for the other guy. Dr- yeah. Drowning yeah. worked for us. Yeah, there's there's actual ambiguity in this. I found this once while Googling stuff later. You can use poisoned or burned for reaching into the oh. uh, chest with a shell. Uh, we I never used poison. Yeah. Oh, I put burned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never there used poison a, for anything. There was something else where you could have put, like, burned or exploded. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, there's yeah. a couple of instances where you could put two different Oh, you things. have to put, for the guy who got hit with, like, the gunpowder explosion? Yeah. He exploded. He exploded, for yeah. sure. And <laughs> he's the only guy who explodes. Yeah. And I'm giving him his distinction as being the exploding man. <laughs> like, there isn't even ambiguity there. It's not like he did not die of the burn wounds later. <laughs> right. He but was he dead have. instantly. Yeah. <laughs> Just that moment. Yeah, but, I mean, his body burned. Yeah, totally. I'm not <laughs> denying there were burns involved. I'm just saying it wasn't it wasn't what was lethal about the circumstance. Right. In the same way where if you fall out of a plane and hit water, you did not drown. Right. But you would have, but you didn't. All right. Uh, I know we're now really in the dregs of the podcast, but did you guys go and uh, check out the mouse sensitivity options in this game? No. Oh, they're no. hysterical. They're really Actually, funny. <laughs> yeah. And like different sized it's, mice? It starts off as like normal or something, but then if you go up and down, it's like uh, very slow, like barely even moving. It's like <laughs> the, the highest. Yeah, the highest sensitivity one is titled A Parody of Control. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, of course, went to immediately. Yeah, I messed with the, the visual options, but didn't touch. And, oh, it was cool. You could put it in, like, a windowed mode. Yeah. I thought that was neat. Like, I checked out the visual options, but never messed with the control yeah. options. It, like, my mouse is, like, a 1600 DPI mouse. And so if you set it to a... If you set it to a parody of control, it, like, literally is, like, you go to, like, breathe to in order to control your hand Mm -hmm. so that you move the mouse in the smallest amount possible and the particles of dust that float unnoticed underneath of the mouse trigger the laser and make your character do 73 backflips simultaneously. (laughs) Like, it is a fucking nightmare, and I think it's just there for comedy, Mm -hmm. but it's very funny. (laughs) Thank you for listening to no clip this week. What are we talking about next time? Next time, in our classic all-time follow-up to Mystery May, we're entering into Wajune <laughs> and playing God of War. <laughs> Four. Four. Four-ish. The rebranded it's God of, God of War. The one yeah. PS. That's it's God of War and God of War. War. That's what we're doing. Yeah, now. this is the one where you play as Waluigi mm-hmm. and, and his son and his son Atreus. <laughs> <laughs> it's on the PS4. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, we actually are playing God of War, and uh, I I feel like I've already like. I, I feel like I already under, I, I have like a picture perfect in my mind of how this podcast is gonna go, uh-huh. and you are definitely not gonna want to miss it. So definitely <laughs> tune in for that one.
until that time, you can get a hold of us. All of our contact information is on our website at NoClipPodcast.com. There you can find our email address. If you want to send us messages directly, uh, our Twitter account, our YouTube, uh, links to iTunes and Google Play, so you, some, you can subscribe to those because you're just listening to it now. And you know you want to hear all of us talk a, a whole bunch for like literally hundreds of hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then afterward, uh, check out our brand new Discord. Where you can learn all about the uh, very dumb shit that we like to uh, to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, Figure out how much shrimp costs yeah. <laughs> individually. Mm-hmm. I feel like I need to bring up Thorpo. <laughs> oh, Thor- yeah, Thor- Daddy Thorpo. <laughs> yeah, Thorpo uh, <laughs> fantasy. Who I can't explain to you who he is because it would ruin the entry. Mm-hmm. But check it out. You'll find all, all about that. And I'm hoping that by talking about it right now, it spurs additional discussion <laughs> about Thorpo fantasy on the, uh, on the Discord. Lore. Lore. Lorpo. <laughs> Thorpor, Lorpor. Th- yeah. What did it end up meaning in Latin? Do you, do you remember? <laughs> it's like screaming. screaming. <laughs> so I'm totally unfamiliar with what you're talking about. So oh, go yeah. check it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, check it out. Dan is a member of the Discord. I am. Yeah. <sighs> that means cut. Oh, thank you cut for listening to No Clip cut. this week. Uh,. No, you've already done it. We can't. Bro, we can't I mean, and what are we talking about next, next time? time? We'll be talking about uh, Rat Patrol Three. Uh, I'm pretty sure I got the name of that game wrong. All right, all right. Let's let's start over. Let's start over. Thank you for listening to No Clip this week. What are we talking about next time? Next time we'll be talking about Bad Rats Two. JJ. Bad Rats. <laughs> Until that time, you can get a hold of us. All of our contact information is, is on badrats.com. Badrats.pro. Bad <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, it's splatterrats.pro. Uh, Rattershot.pro. Splattershot.rats. <laughs> All of these domains. <laughs> Come to our Discord. Become a bad rat yourself. Yes. All right, all right, all right. This is, the last, this is the last take. This is the last take. Thank you for listening to Rat Clip this week. What are we ratting about next time? Rat time. We'll be talking about Bad Rats 2. On the Rat Station 2. Until that time, you can get a hold of our rats at... (laughs) (laughs) At www.nocheese.com slash good rats. Squeak that like button. Rats.